I have realized I have a deep fascination with totalitarian, totalitarian dictatorships and uh, their hold on their worlds. So I've done a bunch of talked a bunch about China and how it keeps imposing new rules, new rules. And there was a story last week, and the story last week was China has actually started imposing rules on what is acceptable in short form video. So they're basically talking about TikTok or whatever the Chinese version of that would be. I think TikTok is now banned in China. Or is TikTok from China? I forget now. Anyways, so it was like, of course, anything that's saying against the state is unacceptable. But then this happened. I didn't realize it has been the 10-year anniversary of Kim Jong-il's death. So Kim Jong-il died, and his son took over. And they decided to celebrate, I guess it's a memorial, to memorialize his death. And by to do that, they had North Korea bans laughing for 11 days of mourning for 10, the 10th anniversary of Kim Jong-il's death. The first thing that I thought was weird was 10th anniversary, 11 days. They don't really match up. I don't get how that works. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not in charge. The guy in charge is like, no, 10 isn't enough. We need 11 days of no laughing. Of course, it's more than just no laughing. So North Koreans have been banned from showing any sign of happiness for 11 days in order to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of death of Kim Jong-il. That actually, the first thought I had, might not be that difficult if you're living in North Korea. Because it can't be a particularly joyous place anyways. The restrictions include an explicit ban on laughter and alcohol during the 11-day period of mourning. I'm actually okay with the alcohol. So like saying, look, you know what? For these days, we've got to be serious. No drinking. Uh, how do you ban someone from laughing, though? If they see something funny... I, I, I'm Now I'm very interested. What is funny to a North Korean? Because humor is cultural. So what... Growing up in a state that is so different from everything else we know, what, is, what would be funny in North Korea is actually a big question. Because when I came to Japan and I started living in Japan, you watch Japanese TV. Japanese humor is there's a good thing in that it's all really weird, is, is sort of the funniest stuff. But then it turns out it's also really, really repetitive. They make people build a career on like a single joke that they just do over and over and over and over again. And they, they'll, they'll run that into the ground, but they'll keep doing it for years. And they, and they end up on like 10 different TV shows making one joke. And it's ridiculous. There was a, a Western guy, I forget his name. Uh, and he, his, his whole thing is he says, Japanese people do this thing that I as a foreigner think is weird. And then he goes, why Japanese people? And that's it. That's just every joke he has. And he's on TV and he's in commercials and stuff. And I realized I should have just come up with a joke. I just stuck with it. I uh, have found that 
any body shaming humor is hilarious in Japan. So I make jokes about my receding hairline and Japanese people just think it's the funniest thing ever. So I basically could just stand up on stage and go, look, I'm losing my hair. And then I'll go, and it'd just be raucous laughter for 10 minutes. I do that every day until I have my own uh, commercial for pizza. I don't know. <laughs> the restrictions include an explicit ban on laughter and alcohol during the 11-day period of mourning on the exact anniversary of Kim Jong-il's death, December 17th. North Koreans will even be banned from going grocery shopping. On the actual day, December 17th, which has already passed, you could not go grocery shopping. So you've had no food in your house, which is very possible in North Korea because they suffer from food shortages. You couldn't go to the grocery store to buy more food. During the morning period, we must not drink alcohol, laugh, or engage in leisure activities. Again, I am now wondering what North Korean people consider leisure activities. Because they watch TV. And there's actually been a bunch of stories about uh, people from South Korea. They'll take like a USB stick and they'll tie it to a balloon and let it go up in the air. And the USB stick will go over the border in North Korea and they'll pick it up. And then that's how they watch. They'll, they'll put that in the computer and they'll watch South Korean TV. So they'll watch like Squid Game. And a bunch of people went to prison for watching Squid Games. And some kids in school passed it around. And all those kids, their families and stuff, all went to prison for watching Squid Games. What is a, a leisure activity? It has to just be drinking, which was a little weird. Drinking and talking with your friends must be one of the only leisure activities possible in North Korea. Because you're not going out to clubs and stuff. I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's true. I've never been to North Korea. I, I don't know if I would actually want to go. But it would be. it's just a place that fascinates me to no end. Even if your family member dies during the mourning period, you are not allowed to cry out loud and the body must be taken out after it's over. So you, if your family member dies on day one of the mourning period, you have to keep that family member in your house for the full 11-day period before you can take them out and like bury them or have them taken care of? That is insane. People cannot even celebrate their own birthdays if they fall within the mourning period. So that one isn't so bad. Not celebrating your birthday is not a particularly big deal. You could just wait another week and celebrate it later. But having a dead body in your house is a significant issue uh, hygiene-wise because they go off. So mourning periods for Kim Jong-il and his father Kim Il-sung, considered to be the father of the nation, are observed annually. Ordinarily, these periods last 10 days, but an extra 11th day has been added this year to commemorate a decade. So that's important. That was answering the question I had earlier, why 11 days for the 10-year anniversary? But they're like, 10 years is special, so you get one more extra day of being miserable. Many people who were caught drinking or being intoxicated during the mourning period were arrested and treated as ideological criminals. They were taken away and never seen again. So this is actually a pretty normal thing that happens in North Korea. Police have been forewarned to look for those who do not look sufficiently upset. So that's another question. This is an interpretation. What constitutes sufficiently upset? Now, I'm not allowed to laugh. I'm not allowed to look happy. I understand that. But if I don't look upset enough, that's not acceptable. And some police officer is deciding on that. So he's walking down the street. He's like, oh, that Peter guy. I hate that guy. He's, he bugs me a lot. I'm going to get him. And I'm going to get him by just saying he does not look sufficiently upset. And I'm going to have him arrested for that. From the first day of December, they will have a special duty to crack down on those who harm the mood 
of collective mourning. It's a month-long special duty for the police. I heard the law enforcement officials cannot sleep at all. North Koreans are also required to make an extra effort to look after those who are hungry and impoverished during this time, which is pretty much everyone in North Korea, if I'm being really honest. North Korea is currently suffering from an acute food shortage. So it's really hard to take care of other people if you don't have any food to take care of them with, and you're not allowed to go grocery shopping. Uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic and economic sanctions sparking fears of a second arduous march. Residents must also work together to help out the Kotjebi, the second source says, referring to a growing number of North Korea's homeless street beggars. Social order and safety must be ensured, so companies are responsible for collecting food to give residents and employees who cannot come to work due to food shortages. Man, North Korea is awful. And they could fix a lot of these problems by just, like, easing up, but they can't ease up, because that would be admitting they'd made a mistake by going this far in the first place. I watched a, a video. It was a documentary about North Korea, and in the documentary... It was, again, one of these, like, sort of uh, commemorations of one of the leader's deaths. And these people were, like, wailing in the street, but it was super fake because they had to do it. But then I was wondering, like, maybe it just looks fake to me. If you've grown up essentially brainwashed, maybe you believe it. And so what does that mean? Like, that's where I get sort of confused. I cannot, as someone who grew up in the West and has had freedom of movement and done all these things and had like lots of experiences. I can't understand what it's like to grow up in a place where your thoughts are controlled as much as it is in North Korea. Uh, However, a few locals have been brave enough to speak out anonymously against the annual tradition, saying the mourning period causes significant disruption to daily life. Of course, it's like more than a week where you can't do anything. I just hope that the mourning period for Kim Jong-il will be shortened to one week, just like the mourning period for Kim Il-sung. No, these guys, they always want to increase everything. They never go down. Residents are complaining that the living are forced to mourn these two dead people to death. Whoa, you're going to get arrested for saying that. That's crazy. At the time of Kim Jong-il's death, pictures were broadcast, broadcast around the world of citizens convulsing. So there you go, crying and thumping the ground in mourning, which is really fake. Like, I understand sadness. I have had some in my life. I have had really tough moments, just like everyone has. And, you know, I have never gotten down on the ground and pounded the pavement with my hands because that's fake. That's not what real people do. That's like stage acting. But in North Korea, that's what you have to do to survive. If you don't do that, there's this like goofy cop up here decides you do not look sufficiently upset and there you go you're now arrested which is ridiculous that's totally unfair but of course i'm talking about someone who grew up in canada and lived in free countries japan even as strict as it might be in some ways is still about as free as it gets so since we're talking about north korea or korea in general i found a story well let me This is the Encyclopedia of Korean Folk Culture, Uh, which is, this is, okay, one of the weirdest stories I've heard, and it's supposed to explain how you get runny noses. So, you know, like, uh, all, all the stories, how things happen in the world, they have really weird origin stories. Well, this is not North Korea, this is just Korean folk literature. But because I was talking about North Korea, I remembered I had seen this. So I thought it would be worth uh, bringing up. 
This tale narrates the origin of the common cold, gamji or gobul, which is believed to be caused by the ghost of a man with two genitals who died after a futile search for a wife and fulfilled his lust in death by releasing himself in people's nostrils. That is the very nice way to say the ghost of a man with two penises has sex with your nose and that's why you have a runny nose is once he's done his stuff. So I'm just going to let you sit with that for a moment. Enjoy the image of what Korean people used to say the common cold is. And if anyone wants to say this is like dirty or something, this is culture. This is you learning about the culture of Korea as a nation. So we get into the story itself. There lived a prince with two genitals. And when it came time for him to marry, the king ordered his subjects to find a maiden with two genitals. But they were not able to find such a maiden, pretty obvious, and in the end the prince died. That's a very short version of the man's life. I'm sure there was a lot of frustration and questions and other problems that came with having two genitals. When he turned into a ghost, he sought relief for his unfulfilled desires by releasing himself into people's nostrils, which in people manifests as symptoms of sinus congestion in the early stages of a cold and progresses into a runny nose. What has happened? Uh, this would actually explain two phenomena, one that I suffer from greatly. So you get a cold and you get all stuffy up here. If you talk to a Korean person and they talk about some folklore, they're going to say the ghost of a dead prince ejaculated in your sinuses and that's why it's stuffed up. When it starts to run, that is his love juice coming out. The secondary thing is I suffer from seasonal allergies like all the time. So I get spring, summer, and then we get changed into fall and winter and stuff. I still get it then. So I get like months of the year I have allergies. Basically, this ghost is banging my face constantly. Like literally banging my face on a daily basis. And it just, okay, we, we don't need to get into that. I was just worried about my face for a while. Like how much face sex can I take is really the question. A variation of this tale features a maiden with two genitals whose father posts an advertisement in search for a bachelor with two genitals. A young man who happened across the penis... Whoa, 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 that sentence just threw me. A young man who happened across a penis floating down the stream picked it up and compared it with his own. The coincidences they work into these old stories with no question of... Like, oh, I've talked about um, plot devices, like in science fiction and stuff, and, you know, uh, coincidence, like the, the plot device of coincidence. So this just happens, then this happens, and it all works out. There's an ad for the husband, to find a husband for a woman with two genitals, and I'm walking down and I see a, a penis floating in a river, and I'm like, whoa, let's check that out. A young man who happened across a penis floating down the stream. That, that just sentence, it's hard to get through that sentence and understand. Like, I'm walking down, I'm walking by a stream, and in the stream I see a penis, and I decide to pick it up is a bit much. Like, that's a lot already. And then decided to compare it with his own. But it stuck to his body, inadvertently leaving him with two genitals. Thus the young man and maiden were wed, and gathered much wealth. So basically, this is a happy version of the story. She has two genitals. 
He's walking down and he sees a penis floating in a river and it sticks to him. And now he has two genal, two genitals. And they get married and they gather much wealth. In other variations, the heroine is a widow and not a maiden, or another young man tries to get himself another penis and become rich like the other bachelor, but ends up with a penis stuck to his nose. I love these old stories. I love myths because they just did not shy away from anything. I really like the Viking stories, like Valhalla and stuff, where it's the one where the giant a giantess is promised to marry a god and the way she has to choose is all the gods pull their pants down and she can only look at their butts and she chooses the nicest looking butt but she inadvertently chooses the god of farts because of course the god of farts has a really nice butt at least these are creative like i actually would say one of the problems with modern cinema is that it's not actually very creative there's a lot of stuff they do that i could guess I can never guess what's going to happen next in one of these old myths. Like, if you had said, hey, how is the man going to find his second penis? I wouldn't have said, oh, it's going to float down a stream, he's going to pick it up, and it's going to stick to him. I never in my life would have been able to guess that. Nor would I say it ends up a penis stuck to his nose. Uh, Let's just read the last paragraph. This tale shares its roots with earlier mythology which feature oversized genitalia as symbols of fecundity and wealth. So basically, you got a big penis, you're going to be rich, and serves as an important reference in understanding the archetypal symbols in the tradition of genital mythology. I actually should do an episode on genital mythology. That actually would be really interesting. This narrative can be read in relation to the popular belief that the size of one's nose is in proportion to that of one's genitalia, the folk custom of chasing away colds by calling out gajetubul, and also the entomology of gubul, an indigenous Korean word for the common cold. I think maybe I got because I was thinking, what is going to be the last episode of Velasa podcast? What am I going to do? I was thinking about doing a Steven Seagal movie. Now I'm thinking of just doing genital mythology, which I'm going to write down so I don't think, don't forget, because every culture probably has wicked crazy stories about genital mythology. <laughs> This is the thing that I have trouble taking seriously. Now, I have a big problem with pretentiousness, which I think you've probably learned if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time. And I do like watches, though. And like, I've made fun of whiskey drinkers before because of all the stupidest stuff they say about the... Uh... Ah... The, the taste, the flavor profiles of whiskey and all the, all, the, all the things they use to describe it, which is always really terrible and stupid. In this case, it applies to watches as well. And I found this as one of the examples of just the absolute like, level of stupidity you can achieve. And the thing is, this was upvoted. I think this was on Reddit. It's on something like Reddit anyways. There's 63 comments, but it's up, been upvoted 17 times, uh, 18 hours ago from whenever it was posted, but whatever. The psychology of wearing a Rolex? Question mark. So he's going to explain it to you because you clearly don't understand it because you're a stupid idiot who doesn't wear a Rolex. Rolex ownership is, in quotes, girlfriend. Other brands are, in quotes, wife. Your girlfriend just needs to be one thing. Smoking hot. The girl everyone at school would have killed for back in the day. So gorgeous that all who glance at her immediately want to see her naked, want to ravish her for hours, want to show her off to their exes, and hate your fucking guts for being the lucky bastard that gets to do all that with her. 
Remember, he's talking about a watch. Your wife, different story. That's a logical decision. It's not about looks as much as it is about her demeanor, her intelligence, her education, her parents, her siblings, her personality, and all those elements that go into the biggest decision you'll make in your life. Again, talking about watches. The brand Rolex is akin to cheerleader or prom queen. So that's half the girlfriend battle right there. Submariner, Explorer, GMT, Daytona, Datejust. That's just the blonde, the redhead, the brunette, and all the different flavors of hotness. Pick whichever one you like, but you know it when you see it. And so does every other guy. She's drop-dead gorgeous. Man, what is she doing with you? When you get to the other brands like Omega, too much makeup, or Taghur, Wildflower, or Tudor, Wannabe, or Grand Seiko, the, ge- the band geek. Grand Seiko does uh, ape Rolex in a lot of ways, but that's quite funny. He calls it the band geek. It requires getting under the hood of all those wife considerations, like the movement, the build quality, and the heritage, and all the other stuff. You know it when you see it, and so do your friends. Nice girl, you two are a perfect match for each other. Love the apartment. How is the closet space? You buy a Rolex because for once in your life, you want to fuck the blue-eyed blonde head cheerleader and make sure everyone notices as you walk her around. You buy one of these off-brands if you want a safe and uninspired relationship with a practical woman who can make a decent meatloaf. Now again... He's talking about a watch. And he's claiming that basically Rolexes are sexier than all these other watches. Now, there is only one expensive watch I want, and it's a Breitling, which again, I'm sure I'm saying a lot of these names wrong, but I don't care enough because I'm not pretentious. It's it's just because it's a really nice one. I actually don't care about half the stuff he said, like, I would care about build quality and stuff. Maybe I'm on the wife's side because I'm an old man and that actually matters to me that the watch is going to last. But the whole point is he's literally saying you buy a Rolex to show off to everyone else and they're all jealous of you because you have a Rolex and they don't. Which to me isn't the actual reason you would buy something like a Rolex. You would buy a Rolex because you really want a Rolex because a Rolex is really a good watch in your opinion. That's why I wouldn't buy a Rolex. Not that it's a bad watch. It just doesn't suit my style. I would buy a different kind of watch that I would like better. The styling is important. And Rolex, I actually, I consider very samey. Two, three Rolexes, they literally just seem to swap out the colors and that's it. But it's the name that is attractive. And it's the very obvious style of it that makes everyone realize immediately that it's a Rolex. Again, this is just pretension. This is pretense. And he's put so much effort into it, he's actually made it sound like he thinks that having a Rolex is like having a relationship. Having a watch is like having a relationship. It's not just a thing you buy that you wear on your wrist. It does show off. Again, the one I want, it would show off to my friends that I have this really expensive watch. But at the end of the day, they wouldn't care. I wouldn't want them thinking, oh man, that guy's so lucky. And I don't think they would. I don't think they would see me with a watch and go, oh man, that guy's so lucky. They'd probably go, hey, Nice watch. And that is the last time they would think about it until maybe they saw it some other time down the line and went, hey, nice watch again. That's about it. These two topics don't really match up. Velocity, 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 Velocity Podcast.
Velocipodcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe want to get a piece of that. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube slash Velocipodcast or streaming on twitch.tv slash chunkmcbeefjest. You can find Ninja News Japan on Facebook. Send questions or comments to speakpipe.com slash Velocipodcast. Link in the description. Check out all the podcasts in the Velocipodcast family. See McBee, Ninja News Japan and Daily Affirmations Weekly. The problem I have now is every time I get a runny nose, which is often, I am going to be thinking about this magical little Korean man who is banging my face. Like, for hours. Hours every day. And he is productive.